This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up? Welcome to My Take Radio, episode 104, for Thursday, August 25th, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. All right. Nice little one-week break. Came back fully recharged. Of course, I had to postpone last week's show because of a last-minute invite to attend the Capcom New York City Fight Club event. We got to see Super Street Fighter, uh, actually not Super Street Fighter, sorry, uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, um, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike Online, Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3. They also had a Street Fighter for the DS setup and a couple of kiosks and stuff. I'll go into that in the video game segment of the broadcast. But let's get into some housekeeping. A couple of things are going on. We're still experiencing a couple of minor Libsyn issues right now with um, uploading episodes to the app. We are currently working on that. We should be able to have episodes 103 up probably by tonight or tomorrow and 104, which is tonight's episode, shortly thereafter. We've been experiencing a lot of issues with that only because there have been some changes with some server modifications and some storage changes with the with where our episodes are hosted so those of you that have the app can rest easy and know that we will be addressing that probably within the next two weeks hopefully that should all be running smoothly come the second week of september so be on the lookout for that um our facebook fan page we are almost at 1400 fans gotta welcome all of our new fans that have joined the MTR Army, and thank you all for your continued support, your kind words, and also your participation on the fan page. That is, uh, it's great to see. There's a huge level of engagement now. I can actually post stuff and get a decent number of responses. But again, I just got to throw it out there. You know, you know, if you're on the fan page and you actively listen to the show, let yourself be heard. Definitely like to hear from our listeners, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise. It's always refreshing to let me know that our words are not falling on deaf ears. So do yourselves a favor if you're on iTunes, re- take a moment and rate the show, good, bad, or otherwise. You know, it means a lot. Also, I am very happy to announce that My Take Radio is now officially also available on Stitcher. So you'll be able to listen to MTR through Blog Talk Radio, through iTunes, through Libsyn, 
and now through Stitcher as well. It's also on the Zune Marketplace and also in the BlackBerry Podcast Directory. So you'll be able to pick it up there. The Stitcher app, which you can download for free, is another way to stream podcasts directly to your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, or Palm device. I don't even know who uses that. But you'll have access to it on demand and on the go. You can get the Stitcher app either in iTunes, the Amazon or Android Marketplace, BlackBerry App World, or the Palm Store. Not only that, but if you have certain vehicles that are uh, web-ready, you'll be able to have Stitcher there as well. So very happy to hear that. Also excited to see what new audiences we are able to reach with this new endeavor involving Stitcher. So I'm very happy for that. And not only that, we also join um, Joe Rogan, Kevin Smith, and a lot of uh, other great comedic talents on the Stitcher network. So be on the lookout for more stuff with uh, Stitcher in the near future. We should be putting up a banner announcing that you can get the show on Stitcher probably by Monday. Until then, if you want to check the service out and get uh, streaming access to a lot of other podcasts, just head over to Stitcher.com or, like I said, hit up the the appropriate uh, stores to get it, whether for your uh, Android, Apple, BlackBerry, or Palm devices. In addition to that, our content partners, MMA Valor and also Unveil NYC, have been doing a lot of great stuff with MTR, and we're also working on something very special for the fighting game community in October. Um, It's going to be for a great cause, and it's going to be a five-day event. I'm not going to give too much information now. We're going to unveil all the information at once, but I will tell you that it's going to be a a great event for a good cause, and I'd love for those of you that are fighting game fans to actively participate because it's going to be something totally different, and it's going to be unique and special, so be on the lookout for that in the coming weeks. Also, our merchandise is going actually not the way I expected. There were a couple of hiccups with certain designs that just didn't look well, well, didn't look good on certain shirts. I noticed a lot of uh, degradation with the lines. Some of the T-shirts were pretty cheap looking, so we're going to go back to the drawing board on that. I think some of the shirts that I did have made up were tolerable at best. They're not the kind of quality I would have expected from a vendor, so we are back in the lab with that. If you're on Get Glue, make sure to check into My Take Radio on Get Glue and show your support that way as well. Our My Take Radio stickers for Get Glue will probably be launching at the end of September, last I heard, and we should be recategorized and put in the music section from what I've been hearing. So that way you can say, I am listening to My Take Radio as opposed to I am watching it. We are guest-free this week and probably next week since I had some time off. I just got to get my bearings and kind of get back on the bike, so to speak. But be on the lookout because we got so many awesome guests and so many people that are reaching out to us for opportunities to be on the show. So I look forward to speaking to those guests and sharing them with you within the coming weeks. In addition to that, we are doing a lot more tech and hardware reviews. Um, I just got an email earlier this afternoon from Olympus. We're going to be reviewing some Olympus cameras, probably some Olympus digital recorders as well. So super pumped for that. And lastly, The other hardware that we should be getting probably within the next few weeks is going to be crazy. I'm hoping that I get it after Labor Day, and it's probably going to be some phones in there as well. 
But be on the lookout on MyTakeRadio.com and on the Facebook fan page for those announcements. And we are still looking for new writers. Don't think that it's uh, something that we are not working on. We are evaluating writing talent. If you're interested, if you are interested in writing for MTR and share some of the same views we do, just drop me a line, MTRhost at MyTakeRadio.com. Throw a writing sample in there, what your strengths are and what topics you'd like to cover, and we will review it and get back to you. Again, just try and make sure you are familiar with the product. I noticed, especially with a couple of people that have approached us about writing, that you know they have no grasp of what we do. Um, one particular person sent in a sample, which was very good, and it was there were certain things. But I was like, you know, are you are you aware of the show? Do you know what we cover? Blah 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 blah. So he listened to the show and he was like, oh, well, you know, I, I hadn't listened to it before, but the quality of his writing is good. So we'll see what the deal is with that in the coming weeks. We'll see what I decide to do with that. Our app exclusive MTR behind and beyond the mic shows are actually finally ready for prime time. We're going to throw a couple of episodes of that up once the Libsyn issues are solved and those are going to be app exclusive. So you'll be able to pick those up either for Android or in the iTunes marketplace on the My Take Radio app. All right. That's going to wrap up the housekeeping. Let's get into some of tonight's topics. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk about what's going on with Matt Hardy, because even though I don't really want to talk about TNA, the Matt Hardy situation just needs to be addressed. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit about UFC 134, which is this weekend from Brazil. We got a some what-the-fuck movie news, and we also got some video game news. They are a little light this week, so, you know, it is what it is. There's no opening monologue for this week. It was actually a pretty quiet week on my end. There was nothing that jumped out of the ordinary. The only thing I will mention is, you know, the earthquake situation and the hurricane situation and people constantly walking around saying it's the end of days. It's, it's get the fuck over yourselves. Shit happens. And that's it. But um, with that said, let's not beat around the bush and get into some MMA. All right. Of course, this coming weekend is UFC 134. You'll be able to watch that on pay-per-view, and it's going to be live from Brazil. It's going to be fantastic. they got some really great fights on that card. I actually gave my, my fight picks last night on MMA Gospel Radio, so if you are interested in hearing my fight picks, do yourselves a favor. Head over to blogtalkradio.com slash MMA Gospel and check those guys out. Uh, great group of guys over there, Gary, Spill Bag of Ice, they uh, they deliver MMA news and opinions in a, in a nice and unique and refreshing way. There's nothing uh, too serious about it. They just have a lot of fun, and they get a lot of really great up-and-coming talent on there. So do yourselves a favor, check them out, and you'll be able to check out my fight picks for UFC 134 there. Uh, the fights on that card, the main event, of course, is Anderson Silva versus Yushin Okami for the middleweight title, Forrest Griffin and Shogun is the co-main event. Antonio Nogueira and Brendan Schaub will also be locking up on that card. Edson Barbosa and Ross Pearson and Luis Kane versus Stanislav Nedkov. That's the pay-per-view portion. 
on Spike TV, you're going to get Spencer Fisher. Spe- Oops, excuse me. What a fuck up there. Spencer Fisher versus Thiago Tavares and Dan Miller versus Husamar Palhares. If you're on Facebook, you can see David Mitchell versus Paulo Thiago, Eric Silva versus Luis Ramos, um, E. Javon and Ian Loveland, and a couple of other fights on there as well on Facebook. So you'll be able to see that this weekend on pay-per-view. I'm actually really looking forward to that card. The UFC is going into uh, into Brazil and little international expansion. Super pumped to see it. I'll probably be ordering it. I was on the fence only because it's Anderson Silva, and we always know what happens with Anderson Silva fights. They either go really well or they go really quick. So dropping 60 bucks on that is always uh, a risky decision, but the card is solid from top to bottom. So I may, I may give the UFC my money and order it. Speaking of the UFC, the big news, of course, is the partnership between UFC and Fox that was announced. It is huge for the sport of MMA. Anybody that sits there and talks about, you know, what's the big fucking deal or doesn't realize the implications, it is mixed martial arts now on a broadcast channel. I mean, Strikeforce did a couple of things on CBS, but this is a complete partnership going on for, I believe now they've signed it for seven years. FX is going to broadcast live fights, pre- and post-event shows, countdown shows, UFC Unleashed, UFC Primetime, UFC Knockouts, the best of pride, any weigh-in specials, plus the Ultimate Fighter. The first official Fox broadcast will be taking place November 12th. And the next season of The Ultimate Fighter, its 15th season, will debut on FX in 2012. And it's going to do something totally different, and that is going to be live fights for the first time. They're actually going to be doing a two-hour episode with the elimination fights, and home viewers will be able to text to determine which fighters compete against each other during the competition. That is, that is huge, revolutionary, and a great level of interaction for the sport. I think this is the shot in the arm that the Ultimate Fighter needed to move ahead, so I'm really pumped for that. The weekly episodes are going to be airing on Friday, and it's going to showcase the footage of the fighters living in the house leading up to the live fight. There's going to be a huge amount of promotion now that FX is behind it, uh, probably three times as much as the promotion that Spike TV did for the series. The final season of Tough on Spike TV will begin next month and conclude in December. Now, with regards to Fox events, you're going to get four live UFC events on primetime on Fox annually. The first is going to be UFC on Fox, which is going to be happening November 12th. The only thing with that is that it's going to be competing against the men, the Manny Pacquiao, Juan Manuel Marquez pay-per-view match. But the great thing is that they're probably going to do a short live event on Fox and then go right into the pay-per-view boxing broadcast. So that way neither one influences the, the, the viewing of the other, which is, Pretty cool, a nice show of uh, a nice gesture from the UFC for that. But the FX on Ultimate Fighters, what I'm really looking forward to, like I said, only because of the whole live component and text interaction from the fans. That's going to be really good. And you're also going to be getting tons of MMA for free. There's going to be a, a slight decrease in pay-per-views with the amount of stuff with Fox, which is always good for, for your pocket. Um, some of the UFC prelims will be airing on Fuel TV now and also on FX. And the deal is going to go through for seven years. Fox is going to be paying the UFC approximately $100 million per year 
as per the terms of the agreement. So great for MMA fans, great for uh, the fighters as well for being able to be on broadcast television. It's a huge amount of exposure for those guys, for those guys and I'm really happy that the UFC has made it this far. I'm a little concerned about what happens with Strike Force, of course. With a lot of these guys moving from Strike Force to the UFC, there's rumors of Overeem signing with the UFC, Nick Diaz, of course, and the reevaluation of the promotion itself next year. It leads me to believe that at some point Strike Force will be folded and whatever fighters fit in the UFC will be put there and that's going to be the that's going to be that for the brand. Um the only alternative I see is them keeping it live, keeping Strike Force alive and dedicating it to women's MMA. I don't know if that's the direction they want to go in, but I I'd, I'd like to see something because there still are a lot of talented female fighters that can be showcased and Strike Force would be a great vehicle for that. A fighter I haven't talked about in, in at least a year, uh, John Copenhaver, a.k.a. War Machine, now legally known as War Machine, is officially out of jail and will be returning to the cage October 15th against Gideon Ray at Chicago's Cage Fighting Championship 4. I'm actually very happy to see that War Machine is a, a very unique individual. He gets a bum rap for a lot of the stuff that happens to him, and he's been caught in a couple of awkward situations, but... He's a, he's a charismatic guy. He's a great fighter. Uh, he's always exciting to watch, and he just carries himself like, like a fighter. And with that, sometimes you're going to get good and bad stuff. But I am happy to see him out. I think that hopefully his stint in prison has helped him out, mellowed him, and reinvigorated him to go out there and make his mark in the mixed martial arts world. He served one year for a felony assault conviction now, with that out of the way, hopefully he can focus on his school and fighting full-time. In some Strike Force news, the Strike Force on HDNet has announced that the Strike Force Grand Prix Barnett versus Karatanov prelims will air on HDNet. That's going to be taking place September 10th at the Cincinnati U.S. Bank Arena. On the Showtime card, you're getting Josh Barnett versus uh, Sergey Karatanov. That's the heavyweight Grand Prix semifinal. Daniel Cormier is stepping in for Alistair Overeem to take on Antonio Bigfoot Silva. Ronaldo Jacare Souza will be fighting Luke Rockhold for the middleweight title. Actually, uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza will be defending, sorry, against Luke Rockhold. Hodger Gracie is going to be taking on King Mo. And Maximo Blanco originally was scheduled to be taking on Josh Thompson. But Josh Thompson had to withdraw from his match because of an injured foot. On the prelims, you'll get Mike Kyle versus Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Uh, Faye Zhao is going to be taking on Yoel Romero. Uh, Jordan Main is going to be taking on Cyborg, uh, male Cyborg Evangelista, Cyborg Santos, just in case. And uh, Alexis Davis is going to be taking on Amanda Nunes. That's going to be taking place September 10th in Cincinnati. Now, a couple of weeks back, we were talking about Chael Sonnen and all the disparaging remarks he made about the Brazilian culture and about the Nogueira brothers, uh, Anderson Silva, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he actually stated that he was going to Brazil to be in the corner of Yushin Okami for UFC 134. But it seems that Chael Sonnen's travel plans have been put to sleep. That being said, the major sponsor for Okami um, Praetorian has threatened to pull the Japanese fighter's sponsorship if Chael attended. 
It also doesn't help that he may be arrested if he had flown to, to Brazil. Uh, Sonnen said friends in the country forwarded him a report in which a police chief threatened to arrest him on site if he showed up. The official cited a law that makes disparaging the national identity a crime. Sonnen commented on the issue in typical colorful fashion with the following. You don't have freedom of speech in Brazil. Put it like that. I only want to be there to help him. I don't need to see the show. I can watch the show on TV. I was going exclusively in support of Yushin. And frankly, it's been headed this way for a long time. It's been headed in the direction of, hey, this is becoming a distraction. He went on to say, this fight isn't about me. I'm not involved. I'm, not, I'm here to lend you support. But I don't want things thrown at, at what will un, unintentionally be him while he's in the ring or we're going to the ring. This is serious business, and this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And it's not my place to disturb it or shift any type of attention to me. This is his moment, his night, his time to be the world champ. I got to give Chael credit for, for stepping up and doing the right thing and just not going over there. When he initially mentioned that he was traveling to Brazil for this fight, I knew it was a bad idea, considering that he clowned so many Brazilian fighters, the Nogueira brothers, Lyoto Machida, Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo, et cetera, et cetera. He offended so many guys with his commentary, which was humorous, but you know he's got, he ruffled quite a few feathers, and I always felt that his presence there was going to be extremely distracting for Yushin. Nonetheless, he did the right thing and decided to stay here and support Yushin by watching the fight on television. In the last bit of MMA news, Christiane Cyborg Santos, the female, uh, has re-signed with Strikeforce. Santos had been sidelined for nearly 14 months due to stalled contract negotiations. Her management released a statement that read as follows. Chris is ecstatic to be staying under the Zufa umbrella for another year. She would like to thank Strikeforce and Zufa for, want, for the opportunity to prove that she is the best 145-pound woman in the world. Chris has been training and is ready to step back into the cage to defend her strike force belt. I'm very glad to hear that only because she's one of those fighters that's super exciting to watch. I mean, Marlos Kunin is up there, Gina Carano, all exciting female fighters to watch. And Cyborg is just, you know, it's like watching Vanderlei Silva fight in terms of that level of violence that she puts out there. Her rumors of, go rumors of her going to the WWE were... I, I prayed that they just didn't come to fruition because she'd get misused there and it would be um, a, a huge awakening in terms of how business is done here in the States. I don't think she would have adapted. And I honestly think that she should focus on her strengths, which is fighting and hopefully strike force will be the promotion to help her move forward. That's going to wrap up the MMA news for this week. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we are going to talk some wrestling, right? After this, what are we on tonight? Even tonight, at ten on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling. You. So, Jason, uh, what, what I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at ten p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know, Jason? Jason, are you there? The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. All right. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw first, because there's a couple of things that went on on Raw this week that need to be addressed. Um, going into Raw, 
your champions were as follows. Del Rio, WWE champ. Orton, world champ. Ziggler has the U.S. title. And Cody has the IC belt. Kelly Kelly is the unified Divas champion. And your world tag team champions are David Otunga and Michael Ricky Bobby McGillicuddy. So, with that, Raw was emanating from the Rexall Palace in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And um, Lawler, Cole, and JR were on commentary. Show opens up. They announced that Del Rio injured Rey Mysterio, and Rey Mysterio is out of action indefinitely. Nice way to spin that. Rey Mysterio actually sustained a knee injury, and he will probably be out until WrestleMania is what I'm hearing. He's going under the knife, I believe, this week or early next week. And I want to wish Ray a speedy recovery. A lot of people shit on Ray. They feel he's one-dimensional. But Ray Mysterio is a, a character that connects with the kids and brings the WWE a lot of revenue. So don't get me wrong. He's not going to go out there and put on five-star classics. But you also have to take into consideration that his body has been destroyed over the years wrestling the Lucha Libre style. He actually wrestles a lot safer now. And you know what? For a guy to be able to wake up and play with his kids every day, I'm not mad at that. It is what it is. Of course, Del Rio comes out, cuts his little promo. CM Punk handles business as usual, comes out and cuts a ridiculously awesome promo with some with some really great references. One reference that even that put a smile on my face was referencing WWF president Jack Tunney, which was pretty amusing because they were trying to figure out who was involved in the conspiracy and the mysterious text message to Kevin Nash. Um, I really liked that. I really liked where CM Punk is going with this. I think that the opportunities with this storyline are huge if utilized correctly, but the problem with a storyline like this is that they can end up going and using something really safe, like it was Vince that sent the text message or Stephanie McMahon. And while that is something that would cause a little bit of a jolt for the fans, it's not on that level where there's a level of storytelling that you can drag out because you can, you can put it on Johnny Ace, you can put it on Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Vince, you can, you can even go as far as to put it on HBK that did it. There's so many ways you can do it. I mean, Shawn Michaels isn't coming back and wrestling CM Punk, but there's so many ways you can do it where Shawn Michaels could have texted Kevin Nash to do it because he wanted to help Triple H succeed. Triple H was oblivious to it. That drives the wedge in the friendship between Nash and Triple H, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can even do a match with them at Mania wash, rinse, and repeat. Not that we want to see that, because honestly, excuse me, honestly, I do not want to see Kevin Nash wrestle. I feel that in terms of mobility, he is extremely limited. What I've always wanted to, to see happen was Kevin Nash reveal himself to be the anonymous general manager. I think that would have been interesting because it would have put a bit of heat between him and Triple H in terms of you know, yeah, I answered to Triple H, hence I'm the Raw GM, and Triple H did send the message, and you can build off of that into that feud with CM Punk. But right now, I think that they're just taking day-to-day and not booking long-term. Even though they say that they are, I really feel that they're not. Moving on, they ended up booking a match 
with Alberto Del Rio and John Morrison to open things up. John Morrison has fallen down the ladder after the whole Molina situation. He, uh, he pretty much got fucked only because he ran his mouth. And that's one thing with wrestling. Wrestling is a very vindictive business. You guys see that when you read the dirt sheets. You guys hear that when I talk to certain wrestlers. Wrestling is very vindictive. And at the drop of a hat, management can turn on you no matter how good you are. It happened during the click days with, with Triple H and those guys. And it's happening right now with John Morrison and his involvement with Molina. You know, her, her going around and talking all this shit and then him going along with it. It's like, dude, you're there. She's not. She needs to stay home. Don't ruin your career. I, I got to actually acknowledge something that Andrew in the chat mentioned a couple of days back when I was speaking with him and my nephew on Xbox Live. And that was that Miz and Morrison were together practically at the same time. And Miz has already been champion and Morrison is not. And of course, the, the main reason for that is Molina. The Miz took a lot of abuse, they've said, just in terms of him being a rookie and a lot of hazing and a lot of uh, people treating him like shit. The guy's gone on record as saying that he's got had to get dressed in a, in a lobby or in a bathroom or in a storage closet just because he wasn't allowed in the locker room because they thought that he was lesser than the other wrestlers. And the Miz is, has put in some work. Love him or hate him. The guy's taken his licks and he's taken he's become somebody legitimate in this business. They you know, the the Miz is a guy and, and again, he's a reality show, you know, cast off you can say, but he took his wrestling seriously and he grew his character and he worked on his character. His his little skit with Jared a couple of weeks back that they were saying, you know, Vince McMahon was really high on Actually, I can see where they were impressed with the Miz's mic work because he can take something as lame as Jared and the Subway Sandwich and do his thing. And, and that shows not only strength as a performer, but just strength in terms of, of growing your character. He's on that same level as, as a CM Punk, as a Chris Jericho, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, where they can take anything that's given to them, whether it's the, the, the shittiest storyline or the most bullshit prop, and they can run with it and make it something important. Uh, he, he actually added value to the fucking Subway sandwich. He really did. I mean, Subway's a sponsor, but to go in and do something so comedic with it to the point where he actually ate the sandwich after he cut the promo showed that he believed in the product itself and that he felt that he can do a better job. And it, it worked with his cocky persona. I think the Miz did really good and the evolution of him as a character is something that I'm watching with great interest because I think this is a kid he's probably older than I am or we are probably the same age this is a guy that in the foreseeable future he will headline a Wrestlemania he will be the face of the brand I honestly would like to see a feud with the Miz and CM Punk strictly because of the promo work because I know the promo work would be great I mean you got the rock tied up with um, John Cena, what's going to happen with Triple H? Is he going to wrestle at Mania? Who knows? But CM Punk feuding with The Miz would be really, really good. I think from a, from promos alone, it would it would be something that can fill up at least four weeks of programming. Not only that, but I think that the level of wrestling that CM Punk brings to the table can help The Miz improve as well. So. You know, I went a little off track, but those are my thoughts on that. 
Eve Torres and Nikki Bella was your second match on Raw, and it was the train wreck, you would have expected it. And I can tell you why for a couple of reasons. Uh, Eve Torres, she seems very confused in there. I mean, she's super athletic. She does Brazilian jiu-jitsu. She was a cheerleader. She was a dancer. But I don't understand how she wrestles, and she just seems so stiff, so robotic. It's like, yo, what is wrong with you? You're supposed to be comfortable with your body. You know, don't get me wrong. You're supposed to be super athletic, but every time you do a move that involves any type of athleticism, it gets fucked up. She did, she actually, at one point, she did the uh, a reverse STO, and it just looks so sloppy, so sloppy. And then the Bella Twins, I don't understand who's teaching them how to wrestle, but they just, it just, the chemistry looks so awkward. I do have to give Eve Torres some credit for trying to pull off some moves, some new moves in her offense. But you know what? They don't mean shit if you can't pull them off right. Because your neck breaker, you know, the neck breaker she did to close out the match, it just looks so... I, I actually thought that she banged uh, Nikki Bella's head on the ring, on the, um, you know, on the mat when she did it. Because I looked at it and I'm like, wow. I actually, I watched it in slow motion and I said, how did she not hurt this chick's neck is beyond me. And... It, I think part of it has to do with the guys like Finley and some of these other wrestlers not there to teach these divas. I think that right now they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants, which is unfortunate because they got a couple of divas there that they just need a, a little bit more polish in terms of wrestling to be viable, where you can actually take pleasure in watching them wrestle instead of saying, oh, divas are wrestling, let me pause it so I can look at some tits and go take a shit. Because that's what happens. That's really what it is. Nobody's watching these diva matches for the wrestling. They're watching it because Kelly Kelly's coming out. You know she's going to put her box in some chick's face, and she's probably going to grind her ass on some chick's face, which I don't understand the logic in her doing the stink face to a girl. Because when Rikishi did the stink face, you knew it was because he had a giant ass that probably smelled, and he was smothering somebody's face with it. By Kelly Kelly doing the stink face to another girl, are you implying that Kelly Kelly's ass stinks? Is that what you're implying? Because as, as far as I can remember, the stink face was supposed to be, you know, an embarrassing move that you did to your opponent. Yet, Kelly Kelly just does it, and the crowd eats it up. I don't understand the logic in that. If she did the Bronco Buster, okay, that's fine, you know, because that, that, that's a little bit more... Uh, of uh, a little bit more on the offense side of things. Her gyrating her ass in this chick's face doing the stink face is so stupid and so silly. And I, and I thought about it, and I said, are they implying that her ass stinks? You know, does she need to clean her shit up? Come on now. There's just certain things that they do, especially with the divas, that you got to raise an eyebrow or two like, yo, what the fuck are these guys doing? Moving on, Jack Swagger got a, another match with Alex Riley. Alex Riley is such a weird dude. I, I, I have almost a love-hate relationship with the guy because they've kind of groomed him with The Miz, and then now he's kind of like this, this chipper face, which just doesn't work. And, and against a guy like Jack Swagger, Jack Swagger's lisp-ridden promos aren't doing him any favors either. Obviously, this is all leading up to Jack Swagger aligning herself with Vicky Guerrero and probably feuding with Dolph Ziggler, 
which I am seeing probably Dolph Ziggler turn face, which is stupid because Dolph Ziggler only works good as a heel, possibly as a tweener, but his strength lies in him being a heel. Jack Swagger also is a heel. I think Alex Riley should turn heel and they should all be part of Vicky Guerrero's stable with her managing all three wrestlers. I honestly feel that that would help create something more for Vicky Guerrero just in, you know, as opposed to her coming out and screaming every five minutes. Excuse me, I got to take a little drink here of this monster energy so I can give you guys an energetic broadcast this weekend, this week, excuse me. Um, we get a little backstage action with Triple H, of course, uh, trying to find out who sent the text and blah, blah, blah making fun of him and Stephanie McMahon's relationship. Typical CM Punk, Triple H promo. Um, Triple H and Nash, though, had a very interesting exchange because they were pushing that line of Kevin Nash and Triple H not being on the same page. A little bit of of storytelling there. I I just have a feeling that by the time it's revealed who sent the mysterious text, like I said, it's going to be Johnny Ace, or Stephanie McMahon. It's, gonna, it's just going to not be the payoff that we'd all like. On to the tag team match. David Otunga and McGillicuddy getting their uh, rematch with Kofi Kingston and Evan Bourne. Well, I should say I worded that poorly. Kofi Kingston and Evan Bourne getting their rematch with Otunga and McGillicuddy. Now, obviously, if you've watched wrestling as long as I have, you know that Kingston and Bourne are winning the belts. But... After their match last week and the, and the verbal beating that JR and those guys gave them, I really knew that they, that they had to lose, whether it was the Kingston or Bourne or the Kings of Wrestling and that, they, that they plan on bringing in. We knew it was going to go in that direction. Otunga and McGillicuddy, while they are okay as a tag team, they just have nothing going on for them. They have the number one thing, which I don't like. If you're a tag team, your ring gear should match. They don't match. David Otunga comes out like a bedazzled stripper from fucking Chippendales. Michael McGillicuddy comes out like Ricky Bobby when he was delivering pizzas in Talladega Nights with a backwards fucking baseball cap and their penny belts. They look fucking stupid. They give you no reason to give a fuck about them, which is, a, which is embarrassing. It's embarrassing because McGillicuddy is the son of Mr. Perfect. You are the son of a legend. And yet, for some reason, you can't do shit uh, I don't know. Kofi and Evan Bourne, though, are actually going to be a full tag team. They're, they're actually going to be debuting their name probably on, the, on next week's Raw because they were asking on Twitter what they would like the fans to, you know, what they would, what the fans think they should call themselves. And I honestly think that they could probably call themselves Air Boom or the Boom Squad something something that ties together i think you know i think the the boom squad might work but you know i I saw some people talking about um you know just calling them airborne which which is which is stupid because there was a tag team called airborne years years ago and it would just be foolish to go and rehash a name like that so hopefully they'll come up with something catchy and they'll remain a tag team i think that kofi kingston has run his course as a singles wrestler he comes out, he's always smiling with his fucking turnip logo on his tights because that's what it looks like. Yeah, it's a little uh, a little Rastafarian face, but it looks like a turnip with eyes and a face. looks like a Pokemon, actually. And um, 
his, his singles career has run its course, and Evan Bourne, they don't want to do nothing with him. It's not like they have a cruiserweight title for him to go after. So putting him as a tag team for now may, may be the shot in the arm both of those guys need. We got a little backstage segment with uh, Kevin Nash being involved in a car accident, which was... Uh, it almost felt like Monday, like Nitro, when I saw that, you know, the mysterious car accident and Triple H has to leave. Santino comes out, gets beaten up by The Miz and The Truth. Uh, both those guys just talking about the conspiracy and all this shit. I actually like seeing these two guys together, and they would make a cool tag team. If they were a tag team, I'd call them the Awesome Truth, only because it fits and it has a nice ring to it. But the chemistry, again, The Miz showcasing his mic work and, and just our truths insanity with his character. It just works well together. And, and the whole, you know, little Jimmy, you got got all this conspiracy shit. I really like it. And I'd like to see the Miz and our truth either as a tag team or maybe as a stable only because it, it, it's both. It's good for both guys. The Miz gets somebody that he can work with on a promo level, as opposed to Alex Riley, who sucked on the microphone and our truth gets just somebody that he can play off all his craziness. So I'm hoping that they do go that route with these two guys because there's a lot of potential there. To close out Monday Night Raw, obviously a number one contenders match with Cena and CM Punk, which was good. You know, it was good on free TV. But if you thought that John Cena was not winning, then you obviously don't know your wrestling booking 101 because as soon as they announced this match, I said, yeah, Cena's going to win. Because Cena already has a beef with Alberto Del Rio, and they've kind of been focusing on that. So to give it to Punk at this point would be stupid. So they figured, ah, we'll give it to Cena. Cena will feud with Del Rio. He'll take the belt from him, blah, blah, blah. And CM Punk, meanwhile, will feud, quote-unquote, with Triple H and with Kevin Nash and with the mysterious sender of the text message, which some people like it. I personally think that they took the belt off CM Punk too soon. CM Punk's character works with the title and putting him as the face of your brand and adding that realm of realism to his promos and to the angle itself is the direction they should have gone in. But I think they just got scared like they usually do and figured let's go the safe route to, to throw it on Del Rio and then hot shot it back onto John Cena. After the match was over, Del Rio jumped John Cena and then Johnny Ace came out pulled Del Rio off. Del Rio's trying to play like he's a madman, and John Cena's injured, so we'll see what happens with that next week. Overall, Raw was pretty solid. I don't think it was their, their best Raw, but it was tolerable at best. In some other wrestling news, Bill Goldberg was on Twitter recently saying that he is back, and then he quickly followed it up with a tweet that said, it ain't WWE. They can kiss my ass. Yeah, Bill, sure. Bill, is, Bill Goldberg will be wrestling in Japan, actually, and um, it, that's fine. I believe he's going to be wrestling either, I, I'm hearing Batista, I'm hearing Bobby Lashley in Japan. I think Bill Goldberg thinks way too highly of himself. I think his tenure in WCW and WWE were great. I think Goldberg as a character was good. I just think that he believes that he's entitled to a lot more than he should be. I feel that quitting on the WWE was just uh, uh, the end of his career. Goldberg, had he stayed in the WWE, I'm sure he would have had the belt at least two or three more times because the fans gravitated towards him. He was unique. He had a great persona, and 
obviously a, a money match with a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin, which would have been a great close to Stone Cold's career, would have been in the cards had he stuck around and he would have got a massive payday for it. Goldberg, Stone Cold Steve Austin, WrestleMania would have been insane, only because there were so many comparisons and so many jokes growing up. I remember when Goldberg came out, there were always debates about what, who was better, Cena or Goldberg. And, of course, people, you know, you had your pretty much a split down the middle of who was better. And I don't know. I think that his bitterness towards the WWE is unfounded to some degree. I know that he's been wronged and he had some issues with Triple H, but that's where the money is, man. You know, sign a Legends contract if you don't want to wrestle and keep getting paid. We could see a Best of Goldberg fucking DVD or something, but don't sit there and talk shit because we know in a couple of years – you, you and Vince McMahon will have a, a chat and you will sign a Legends contract and he'll own your name and you'll get paid and that's it. But until then, Goldberg can wrestle Bobby Lashley or Batista in Japan. And if I get some video, I'll throw it on the fan page. Now let's get into this Matt Hardy situation. Originally, according to the PW Insider, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy were supposed to be returning to TNA storylines for Bound for Glory in October. Jeff Hardy, of course, is still with the company, and TNA was planning on releasing a DVD of his career this fall and also licensed out a couple of new products, including children's Halloween costumes. Matt Hardy was home on suspension from the company, allegedly because he had a lot of excessive lateness to impact tapings and live events. After that, there was an issue with Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy and Matt's girlfriend, Rebby Skye, because in, in a video that was put on YouTube, they actually tased Rebby Sky, which not too many people found that to be cool, and that also wasn't helping Matt Hardy or Jeff in their returns to TNA. After that, Matt Hardy was in a car crash and was arrested. He was driving while, on the suspicion of driving while intoxicated. He was arrested around 7 p.m. by a state trooper, and Hardy ended up crashing his 2009 Corvette and struck a tree. No one was with Matt Hardy, and Matt Hardy was not injured. Now, as a, as a result of his arrest, he was released from his TNA contract. TNA made it official on their website by stating Matt Hardy had already been under suspension and has now been released from Impact Wrestling. To add a little bit more Filling to the story, the Fayetteville Observer released a statement as well regarding the, address, the Matt Hardy's arrest. Uh, the trooper on the scene, B.J. Smith, stated that Matt Hardy had not been drinking, but he felt that Hardy appeared to have taken some type of an impairing substance. Hardy did submit to a blood test, and as such, we are awaiting the results for that. He's scheduled to appear in court on September 28th to face charges of driving while impaired and exceeding the safe speed while driving. Now, right after all this happened, they release a mugshot of Matt Hardy, and he looked high as a kite, super fucked up. And he, of course, went to Twitter, yeah, I wasn't drunk, I wasn't drunk, but you were fucking impaired, you lazy-eyed motherfucker. And I don't really give a shit that he got arrested, because people fuck up, get arrested, it happens. What I do not like and what frustrated me to no avail was the fact that guys like the Hurricane and, and a couple of other wrestlers and personalities quickly, quickly went out there and, you know, got, got, got into it with wrestling fans on Twitter 
and automatically it was, oh, you know, people make mistakes, you act like you're perfect, blah, blah, blah. And this is my, my opinion on the whole situation. I'm all, for be, I'm all for being loyal to your friends. I am. And I'm all for loyalty. If I killed a motherfucker and had his body in my trunk, I know that I can call a guy like Slick, tell him to grab a shovel and some lime and meet me, meet me in a forest somewhere to bury it. That's the kind of loyalty I believe in, and that's fine. Same applies to a couple of other people I know that that loyalty is there. But on the same note, you got to call shit like you see it. And if you really are Matt Hardy's friend and you're his boy, and you see that the fucking guy has a problem, do not make excuses for him. Don't. It's an embarrassment, and it's silly. Because what happens is when court records come out, police records come out, automatically it's like, oh, what are you going to say to that? you got to sit there disputing facts when they're staring you in the face. Matt Hardy was impaired. Matt Hardy has some sort of a problem. Jeff Hardy has a fucking problem. Period. There's help for that. WWE runs, uh, actually pays for the rehabilitation of its performers. They've done it with Scott Hall and a couple of other wrestlers. It's out there. They, if they need help, they can get it. If they're not acknowledging that and they're, and they're sitting there in fucking denial, then guess what happens? You're going to end up dead, and then we'll be reading about you on a website or two, and it, it automatically will cast another negative light on the wrestling business. Oh, you know, there's drug use and it's prevalent, and, you know, the promoters don't do anything to stop it, blah, blah, blah. That's an issue in and of itself. WWE probably lets a lot of their wrestlers get away with a lot of shit. But when shit starts getting a little out of hand after what happened with Benoit and a couple of guys, they, they are a little bit more proactive. I do not feel TNA is as proactive with its performers. Because Jeff Hardy came out to wrestle fucked up, completely toasted against Sting. And it was, you know, a little bit of a statement, and then they sent Jeff Hardy home. It's like, dude, you came out hammered to wrestle. Hammered. There's no sending you home. They're sending you to the fucking unemployment line. And you would think Matt Hardy being the, the, the good brother, but he's another guy that hides behind a thousand excuses. And that's not to say I don't like them as performers. The Hardy boys are legendary performers. Their ladder matches, uh, all the great matches they've had, fantastic you can't erase that but you know what they're doing they're shitting on their own legacy by doing all this dumb shit and then guys like the hurricane and some of these other guys automatically oh well you know you don't know what kind of problems he has well if you know what kind of problems he has then be his boy and don't sell his bullshit stay off of fucking twitter stay the fuck off instead of being on twitter fighting with every wrestling fan that says something negative go to your boy's house and be like, look, man, we need to get you some help. Stage a fucking intervention. Do something so that I don't have to read about Matt Hardy found dead in his fucking apartment six months from now. How about that? Stop wasting your energy going on Twitter, arguing with wrestling fans. It's like yelling at, at fucking at air. It's always going to be there. Negative comments will always exist. Matt Hardy fucked up. Fucked up. What if he didn't crash that car into a tree and crashed it into a house or into a gas pump or into another driver? What if he would have killed somebody? What excuses were you motherfuckers going to make then? 
Because that's what I like. They don't think about the fact that, oh, man, you know, he hit a tree. He's lucky. No, you know, you don't know what problems he has. I do know what problems he has. They're fucking called substance abuse. I, and I dis, it's not even that I dislike. Like I said, I don't hate Shane Helms or, or Jeff Hardy or Matt Hardy. I don't have that. I just don't like the, the hiding behind the, the ridiculous excuses. Just be forward with it. Look, my boy fucked up. And we're going to get him some help and leave it at that and stay off of Twitter or don't even address the comments that people send you. Cause I would have, I, I almost put something out there. I'm like, Oh man, that's your boy. Why didn't you do something? But to sit there and argue back and forth with Shane Helms on Twitter, what the fuck was that going to gain? It wasn't going to gain me shit. Cause I'm not looking for my 15 minutes of fame, but j- just as a human being, you'd be like, yo man, take care of your boy, which leads me to, Another bit of bad luck for Matt Hardy, which happened yesterday. TMZ reported that Matt Hardy had been rushed to an emergency room in North Carolina after falling down in his home. Sources say that Hardy had not been feeling well and it hasn't been determined why he fell. A family member went on record stating that Matt Hardy is expected to be released tomorrow. This happened yesterday, so he would probably have been released today. Now, again, he mysteriously falls. I've fallen in my house. Hell, I've fallen down my stairs in my own house. I get up, I put some ice on whatever hurts, and I keep it moving. If you got to go to the hospital because you fell, unless your ass fell off a fucking ladder, which in Hardy's case shouldn't even be an issue considering how many ladders he's fallen off of, why are you in the hospital? I'm sure there's more to that story, but like anything else, you got to keep shit quiet. But again, if he's home and he's got problems, Somebody needs to be there to make sure that he don't get fucked up, that he don't hurt himself. That's it. Because like I said, I don't want to read in six months, Matt Hardy found dead, Jeff Hardy found dead, because you can stop this shit. I'm tired of Opie and Anthony do a clock. They do, um, not a clock, but they do a, uh, they do kind of a wrestler death report where they have a bet that no wrestler can die within 100 days. That's what it is. I think it's 100 days, and they want to know if, a wrestler, if 100 days can pass without a wrestler dying. And that's really fucked up because they, I think they got to a point where I think it was like 92 days or 93 days, and Chris Canyon was the one that died, and they had to restart the clock again. And, it, and it's crazy that you can actually sit there and run this type of a gag because th- these are real people with families and lives, but they're in a profession that – the, the, the rate of, of them fucking keeling over is quite high. I don't know, man. I just, I'm going to watch this Hardy situation with much interest. Obviously, Jeff Hardy's been announced to be returning to Impact, which I believe is being taped today. And I swore I wouldn't give a shit about TNA, but this Hardy situation just could not be uh, left behind, so it needed to be discussed. Last bit of re- The last uh, few bits of wrestling news I want to go into is... Our good old buddy, Sin Cara. Of course, Sin Cara was suspended because of a WWE wellness violation. And during that time of his suspension, Unico portrayed Sin Cara for the, for the past two weeks on SmackDown. And he was highly praised for his work because obviously he didn't botch a whole bunch of things. But Sin Cara is back. He is actually going to be on this week's SmackDown, the original one. And guess what he's back to doing? Botching fucking wrestling moves. It's like, dude, I understand... You could botch one or two, but you, 
They had to retape your fucking match. Retape it because you fucked up. There is a problem. You you guys got to figure some shit out. Either he needs to go down to developmental and get better, and then you leave Unico uh, on the main roster until he improves. But you can't just have this bot shit all the time. It's it's silly, and somebody's gonna end up really getting hurt because of it. We gotta announce a departure from WWE. Also, that's Todd Grisham. He. Uh, had his last appearance on NXT, which was his last obligation to the, WW, to the WWE, and he will now be working for ESPN. He'd actually been... Uh, it's been rumored that he was going to be leaving for months now, and for that, he's been scaling back his role. And, you know, Todd Grisham, you've noticed he's been doing a lot of backstage stuff, not too much commentary, so he is now going to be part of ESPN. Now, good old Ric Flair... Ric Flair is a guy that I joke about probably one day keeling over dead in the ring because he is a psychopath. But it's unfortunate what's going on with him because uh, Grantland.com published an expose on Ric Flair, which had a lot of real inflammatory commentary. That, That whether it's true or not, they're saying it is. I mean, who knows? But... They, they let me let me give you guys a couple of footnotes, uh, well a couple of cliff notes. Sorry, from that article. First off, they were saying that he wrestles even though he's suffering from a condition called alcoholic cardiomyopathy, and he does it because he needs money to pay child support, alimony, etc. He's used his NWA title belt as collateral for loans. I kid you not. He's walked in, said, "I need a loan." They're like, "Mr. Flair, you have no collateral." Damn it, man, I got this belt. I'm a wrestling god. And he throws it there like a psychopath and probably elbow drops it when he hands it in. He hasn't paid taxes throughout most of the 80s. That's what they're stating in the article. They also said that there's a lawsuit that was filed against him for allegedly flashing his genitals at a flight attendant. Woo, nature boy, look at my dick. I can imagine him just yelling on a first-class flight at some flight attendant to look at his pecker that that visual alone is amusing enough. In addition to that, he has a couple of domestic and physical issues with several with several of his ex-wives. So Ric Flair just wrestles to pay alimony. And, and to think, this is a guy who had it all. The guy survived a fucking plane crash. A plane crash. And he had a broken back. And he came back and wrestled. And he made a name for himself. He, he's a legend in, the, in, in this industry. And this is what he has to do. He has to wrestle to pay child support and alimony to every chick he's married. He's flashing his dick on airplanes. What the hell, man? I'm telling you, it, it, it's crazy. But I think it's just going to be Ric Flair's going to be on TNA one day cutting one of his crazy red-faced promos. He's going to blade, and he's just going to have a fucking stroke. And they're going to do the somber music, and they're going to be like, Ric Flair, is, uh, he got injured in the match, and we had to take him to the hospital. And then they'll do the whole big ceremony, put on the fucking black band that have an R on it, you know, shed your crocodile tears, because that's another guy, another guy that had all this money, pissed it all away. Nobody told him, hey, dude, you should really save some money. Because I'm sure Ric Flair's made millions, millions during his career, millions. And the fact that he has to wrestle, even though he has a condition called cardiomyopathy, which is, is pretty fucking dangerous. 
it's ridiculous. I'm actually putting the illness in the chat room so anybody that wants to look it up on WebMD can see what it can do to you. But, you know, Ric Flair's got to pay a whole bunch of women because, yeah, I woke up on Tuesday, slept with a chick that I met at the arena, and I'm marrying her Friday because I'm Ric Flair because that's what I do because I'm the dirtiest player in the game. Look at my Rolex. Look at my Rolex, which probably isn't fucking real. Look at my $5,000 suit which isn't probably worth $5,000. You probably got it at Caraco with a fucking two-for-one sale. <sighs> My, how the mighty have fallen. To close out our wrestling segment, I got to throw some news regarding our buddy Jeff Katz and the Wrestling Revolution Project, which was his crowdsource wrestling promotion. Every week he's been announcing on geekweek.com new wrestlers that are signing up for his promotion. Thus far, Colt Cabana... Dr. Luther, Kenny Doan, which is Kenny from the Spirit Squad, and Alex Reynolds have signed with the Wrestling Revolution Project. It's scheduled to begin filming its first season in Los Angeles in October. So congrats to our friend Jeff Katz and the Wrestling Revolution. And if you want to know what new wrestlers are signing, just head over to geekweek.com, and every day they'll announce a new signing for the Wrestling Revolution Project. All right, you guys, that's going to wrap up the wrestling news. I'm going to take another commercial break. When we get back, we're going to be talking some video games right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in, like, really high voices, like... (laughs) Well, you won't listen to that on our show because we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So, um... If you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. Let's talk some video games, and I'm going to open things up with the Capcom NYC Fight Club event, which is the first thing that I really wanted to share with you guys this week because it was it was such a crazy event, and there were so many awesome things there, um, partly because I didn't broadcast last week. Uh, my original intention was to attend the event, do a quick show for you guys, you probably just not live, but pre-taped, uploaded to Blog Talk Radio and iTunes, and move on. But I ended up arriving home from the event, and I was greeted by a blue screen of death on my computer, and that pretty much put the kibosh on any kind of uh, any kind of broadcast for you guys. Anyway, the NYC Fight Club event was uh, right here in New York City, and I actually got the opportunity to attend thanks to our buddies at Unveil NYC and DJ Chosen One, who actually pulled some strings to help us attend the event as VIPs. And when we got there, it was super crowded. You can see the photos on our Facebook fan page or on MyTakeRadio.com, and you can also see it on Google+, because I have a gallery in there. Um, Nonetheless, we get there, thousands upon thousands of people. The line went down the block, crossed the street, and went up another block, I I think there were at least 5,000 people on that line. 
we got in there and met up with a couple of our friends, got our buddies from Gamer Fit Nation, uh, the Show Radio, Empire State Gamer, Robski TV, Unveil. Um, also got to meet up with Noel Brown, who was a, a guest on our show a few weeks back, DJ Chosen One. And let me tell you, the gaming community, when when they when they come together for certain events, you see a level of camaraderie that's always nice to see, um, especially for, for things of that nature, because fighting games are just like Call of Duty and some of the other games that are in tournaments are very competitive, and they sometimes create situations where people can catch an ass whooping. But um, overall, the event was really well put together. The only thing, of course, the media access, which I have my own issues with, but that's a story for another day. But it was put together really well. They had ample stations for everybody. They had stations with Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, which was fully playable, by the way. You got to use new characters like Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider, Nemesis, Hawkeye were already unveiled for guys to use, and Strider Hear You as well. Um, I'll tell you right off the bat, Doctor Strange is a very powerful character. Very powerful. Probably on the same level as Phoenix in Marvel vs. Capcom 3 now. A lot of great techniques he has, and I believe in the right hands is going to prove very useful for tournament players. Nemesis was ginormous. He was probably about as big as the Hulk, may, uh, maybe a little bit bigger than Dormammu. Uh, great attacks. He was very... He played a lot like Hagar, just a lot of rocket attacks and, and clubbing blows. Strider here, you played the same way, which we already know. And Hawkeye was pretty cool to use, but like I said, the standout, Doctor Strange, was, was serious business in that game. We also got the opportunity to, to see Street Fighter Cross Tekken, which I also got to play using the new Street Fighter X Tekken tournament arcade stick, which was super light, very responsive, and I'm sure a lot of players are going to be picking it up when it's released. But the game, everything you thought you knew about Street Fighter and everything you thought you knew about Tekken, that mastery that you had of it, goes out the window. On the contrary, you may have to relearn certain aspects of either series because the game is more dependent on the tagging component and the team attacks that are involved with that. Don't get me wrong, your Street Fighter characters throw their fireballs and do their typical techniques, and your Tekken characters have great chain combos, but the strength of the series lies in those tag attacks and using that in terms of offense and defense as well. And I was very impressed with what I saw. Characters like Yoshimitsu were, were really well done. So was Kazuya. I noticed that the art style was tweaked a little bit. There were a lot more darker lines, a lot more grit on the characters, which is fine. And the playable, the, the playable version that we had ran smoothly, beautiful colors. All the games were running on the PlayStation 3, with the exception, obviously, of Third Strike Online, which I think may have been running on the 360. I'm not 100% sure. I didn't get a chance to see the consoles on that end, but I was led to believe there were 360s there, but PS3s were used for Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and for Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Again, great games, uh, a great event overall, and I just wanted to take an opportunity to thank Capcom for allowing us the, uh, the, uh, to cover the event and take as many pictures as we took, uh, including of things like the tournament stick and even some of the game screens. I'm surprised they were very receptive to that. 
And also got to thank Andrew from the show radio. He was very helpful in taking some of the pictures that we took, as was uh, Black Bible from Gamer Fit Nation and Steve from Unveil also. So Fight Club was a great event. And if you want more details, you can check out the write-up I did on MyTakeRadio.com or you can look at the photos on our Facebook fan page or on my Google Plus page as well. They may also be going up on our MyTakeRadio Flickr account. We'll see if I decide to actually set that up. Moving on into some other video game news. Uh, Two Connect games are killing it right now in terms of sales. Uh, Microsoft's Michael Johnson said that Dance Central has sold 2.5 million copies and Connect Sports has sold over 3 million units. Both games are getting sequels, which you can expect in October. In some other Xbox news, Major Nelson announced that Sonic CD is coming to Xbox Live Arcade. You'll probably be able to play that at PAX. So you'll be, you can probably expect that in November because I know that they'll probably do a big push for Xbox Live Arcade in November, and you may be seeing Sonic CD there. In some Mortal Kombat news, the Mortal Kombat Arcade Collection, which will include Mortal Kombat 1, 2, and Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, will be available August 31st. It'll run you $9.99 on the PSN or the PC and 800 Microsoft points on Xbox Live. The collection will, of course, include online play, leaderboards, and achievements and trophies. Now, it wouldn't be a video game segment if we didn't talk about GameStop. Now, usually I come on here and I talk about all the different levels of fuckery that GameStop is involved in, and most of the time they do some really terrible shit, whether it's opening new games and playing them and then selling them as new, even though they've clearly been opened, their aggressive tactics to sign up for their stupid rewards programs, and just their overall shitty representation, and sometimes they're real god-awful employees. But GameStop in the news this week is doing something which is really, really scummy, and that is uh, involving Deus Ex Human Revolution, which came out for Xbox Live, for Xbox, and for the PC. Now, what they ended up doing is that if you bought Deus Ex on the PC, you'd get a coupon to download a free copy for OnLive. OnLive is the cloud-based video game service where you can buy and rent games with either the OnLive micro console or on your PC. Anyway, OnLive announced that all PC versions of the game were going to be including a code which could be redeemed for a cloud version of the game, which you can play anywhere, your desktop, your laptop, or your television if you have the micro console. Our buddies at GameStop, according to GameSpy, actually opened copies of the game and removed the free on-live coupons. Then they went on to to sell those games as new. The report was backed up by an email sent by GameStop management, which told employees to remove and discard the coupons and sell the games as new. When approached about it, the GameStop PR rep Beth Sharum said the following, Square Enix Enix packed the competitor's coupon with our DXHR product without our prior knowledge, and we did pull and discard these coupons, Sharum said. Here's the crazy thing about it. There's a lot of ramifications here, and they're still being explored, but if you open any product, any product that is 
sold to you as new. As soon as you open it, the title of new goes out the fucking window automatically. Whether it's a game, a CD, food. If food is spoiled when you open it and you return it, then they'll throw it out and you'll get new food. But it's not, hey, we're going to take this opened pack of chicken and resell it. The same thing applies to these fucking games. You open the game, clearly it is no longer new. That fresh seal that you unlock the freshness of that new game is gone. Because of a coupon? The fuck out of here. But it gets better. GameStop released an official statement on their Facebook page. They put, regarding Deus Ex Human Revolutions on live codes, we don't make a habit of promoting competitive services without a formal partnership. Square Enix packed a competitor's code without our prior knowledge, and we did pull these coupons. While the new products may be opened, we fully guarantee the condition of the discs to be new. If you find this to not be the case, please contact the store where the game was purchased, and they will further assist. No, fuck you. You fucking assholes open the box. Clearly, it is not new. What, the disc is new? Doesn't mean shit. You open the packaging. It is not new. I don't give a fuck. So, of course, now they've decided to pull all the Deus Ex copies off the shelves, and probably they'll be receiving new copies without an on-live coupon for them to sell. But this has done nothing to put GameStop in gamers' good graces, especially because of the fact that they actually acknowledged opening the shit and still selling it as new. Un-fucking-believable. I've just been informed that Slick is on line one. I'm going to bring him on. What's going on, brother? What's up, man? Our um, buddy on is... What happened? I said, what's up is our buddies at fucking GameStop. Exactly. This, um... If DSX fans don't start a class action lawsuit, they're straight up fucking morons because this is a easy payday. First of all, like you said, they're, they're opening the boxes and still selling them, as, selling them as new. That's bullshit. Second of all, it's none of your business what Square Enix puts in their fucking box. Period. And lastly, me as a customer, if I'm buying DSX, you just stole from me. That's right. Because the box obviously says that this shit is in there. Whether it does or it doesn't, Square Enix is letting you know that it's in there. And when I open the box, it's not in there. And That's you're correct. admitting that you took it out. So you just stole from me as the customer. That's and you right. doubly stole from me because you stole my property that I paid full price for. And you charged me full price for a used item. That's right. So, again, anybody who's listening to this show, if you play Deus Ex, if you bought this shit from GameStop, and you don't try to do a class action lawsuit, you're a fucking idiot, too. Sorry, it just is what it is. Yeah, it really, it really is crazy that they would sit there and, you know, they would sit there and actually say, hey, man, we did it. 
sorry, but fuck you. Because that's, that's pretty much what happened. They're like, yeah, we opened it. Yeah, we fucked with your brand new game that we still want you to pay brand new money for. Yeah, we did that. And we don't give a fuck. Which is unfortunate, because you got to think about it. Like you said, you opened property you stole from the gamers. Because that's a free copy of a game. That they're, that they're entitled to have. Bingo. It, it's terrible. I mean, I have, I, have on, I have OnLive, and, you know, it's a nice service. But why, just because you don't work with OnLive doesn't mean that you should ruin the integrity of the merchandise that you're selling. You're getting the money regardless. You're getting $60. Who gives a shit if there's a free coupon in there? What does it matter? And again, not even one of the, it's none of your business. There you go. Sell, no, that, sell the fucking product that the company gave you to sell. That's right. You know what I'm supposed Bottom line, GameStop is mad, not because they don't deal with our lives, because, what's it, what do you call it, Square Enix didn't tell them about it ahead of time so that they could take these codes out, reseal the game, and say, hey, this is the pre-order bonus. That's what they're really mad about. Yeah, but you know what it is? GameStop has their own, their own uh, streaming game service that they bought. And it's just never taken off, and that's fine. But don't, don't cut the throat of the company that decided to put that in there. It's not affecting you guys. You guys are still getting paid. That's what bothers me. It's the fact that they were willing to do something so underhanded, even though they were clearly still getting paid. Clearly. Why would you do that to yourselves? I, I can't fathom it myself. I mean, the only reason why they, they'll probably get away with it is, one, because they came out and admitted it, and, two, because the gaming community as a whole just isn't... There's, there's not that solidarity where they would get together and just stomp the shit out of game stuff. That's right. That is always true. We've talked about that on countless episodes. I'm like, it's, it's sad, man. I think I think that... And, and, you know, you see people on Twitter just getting in GameStop's ass. But in, in, the, same, in the same note, and, and I don't want to be a dick, but it's just like you guys are on Twitter hooting and hollering about it, but you guys probably went and pre-ordered Gears last week. You guys probably went and pre-ordered Arkham City last week. So, yeah, you're all upset and up in arms about it, but you're still giving GameStop money. You know me. You know how many times have you and I spoken and I go, dude, I avoid going in fucking GameStop as much as humanly possible. For that reason. No, I haven't bought shit from them in over a year at least. Exactly. And it's not, you know, it's not even on, on principle. I'm just refusing to do it. That's all. It's like, look, I don't want to fucking go and give them money. I'd rather give money to Amazon, Target, Walmart. Yeah, they're big box retailers. They're not... They're not in tune with the gaming community. You know, they're just there to sell you shit. But sometimes, as a, as, as a customer, that's what you want. I just want people to sell me shit. I don't want to pre-order nothing. I don't want to buy any stickers. I don't want to get any membership passes. I don't want a hand job in the back. I just want to buy my game and go to fuck home and open my shit and play it. GameStop's not in tune with the gaming community. This is a model for a GameStop. You open a GameStop. You hire, like, one or two managers. You hire about three or four fucking rejects 
that have no idea about the product they're selling because you go into a GameStop and you can tell, and then you hire one hot chick who probably is the only one in the U.S. who does play games, and she just gets fucking harassed. That's what happens. But, uh, you know, power. GameStop's motto is power to the players. Yeah, the power, the power to the players that refuse to fight to, get, uh, to stop getting robbed. That's what it is. But, yeah, we give power to the players. Power to the players to get robbed. That's what we give you the power for. We give you powers to get robbed by us. That's what we do, you know? Nothing is more irritating than walking into a GameStop to buy a game. Just because you were bored and you said, ah, let me go pick up this game. You walk in there, you say, hey, can I buy this game? And the first question you get is, did you pre-order it? And it's like, if I pre-ordered it, wouldn't my question be, I'm here to pick up my fucking pre-order? Think about it. Hey, I pre-ordered this game. I'm here to pick it up. If I walk in off the street and I go, hey, can I get Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition? The shit's been out for, for a week. If I didn't pre-order it, you damn well know that I'm just picking it up. It's that simple. So why are you asking me such a silly question? And it's all the time. Did you pre-order it? Oh, I don't what know. You fucking pre-order Did you pre-order? Here's a good one. I went in to pick up, you know, I, when I reviewed the, the Logitech uh, headset, I mean, the uh, Plantronics Gamecom headset, I went to pick up a, a, a device that you plug in the back of your console because my Xbox 360 is plugged in with HDMI. So I walk in, I buy the dongle, it's 20 bucks. I buy it, and the guy's like, hey, do you want to pre-order Madden? And I'm like, nah, man, you know, I'll pass. Hey, you want to pre-order Arkham City? I'm like, nah, man, I'll pass. I think that they'll put out enough copies that I can pick it up, you know, the, the week of release. I don't know, man. You know, you get access to all these pre-order, you know, all this exclusive stuff. And I'm like, this is all exclusive shit that'll be exclusive for three months. And then you'll be able to buy it on Xbox Live. Stop your shit. I'm like, dude, I just want to buy my part and leave. Did you sign up for our rewards program? Save 10%. Dude, that's the sales tax. Can I, can I just pay for this? That, was the, that entire exchange took 22 minutes. 22. And so you know, you know what my answer to that is. What the is that? day something comes out that I want, any game that I want, I leave my house a little bit early for work. I get on the Long Island Railroad. I get off in Baldwin. I walk into Best Buy at 10 a.m. I walk out at 10.05 with the game, and I go to work. That's it. As much as I can't stand Best Buy because of the dumb shit, I walk in. They have the fucking thing, and I leave. Nobody asks me about pre-orders or extra shit, and I just leave. Because that's all I want. I don't care about your rewards program. I don't care about saving your sales tax, because, like you said, that's all it is. Give my fucking game. If I really want to save sales tax, I order the shit online from a place that doesn't have a store in New York, and I won't pay sales tax. That is exactly probably right. Get a, probably also get a better price than GameStop in the process. Only thing is I'll have to wait a little longer for it. It's crazy shit, man. But, you know, what do you expect? At this point, uh, it goes back to what you said earlier. If, if, if the gaming community doesn't take an active stance against shit like this, then GameStop will never learn. And then all we'll do is sit here and complain. Me, personally, I try not to give them money if I can avoid it. I ended up buying that dongle there because Best Buy had it. Then they ran out, and they go, I don't know if we're going to get that back. Not too many people bought it. 
And that was it. Simple as that. But um, while you're here, you can help me uh, close out the remaining video game news. Um, in some news regarding OnLive, they actually made some enhancements to their service. Uh, the first enhancement they made allows parental controls for parents to monitor what kids what games kids can play, along with offering group chat with people across various games. In addition to that, they added the ability for achievements to automatically post on Facebook walls. The feature will record the 10 seconds of gameplay prior to the achievement and post it. Facebook, cool. has been, yeah, Facebook has been terrific to work with on this, said OnLive CEO Steve Perlman, who actually will probably be on the show in a few weeks. They actually made a couple of mods to their system because we're the first guys posting HD resolution videos nonstop to Facebook. They're into it. Not bad, right? Imagine that. You put the, the, the first, you know, the 10 seconds leading up to the achievement. That's pretty badass. I also like the fact that the parental controls allow the parents to see what their kids are playing. And group chat across various games. Gee, the PS3 should be able to do that because it's super powerful, and yet it can't. Which is just fucking sad. <laughs> How fucked up is that, dude? It's like, you know, the PS3 is super revolutionary, can do a ton of shit, but can't do that. <laughs> like I said, it's, whenever you go from like one thing to another, there's always little dumb shit that just doesn't make any sense that this thing can do it and this one can't. It's very true. But uh, the last thing to, the last two bits of news are. Uh, Fallout New Vegas is getting some new content. They're going to be getting a fourth add-on called Lonesome Road on September 20th for all systems. It's going to cost 800 Microsoft points or 10 bucks. The week after that, they're going to get Courier Stash for 160 Microsoft points or $1.99. The Stash is going to include all four pre-order bundles. Gee, probably pre-order bundles that people got when they bought it at any big box retailer. Lastly... Gunrunner's Arsenal will be out the 27th for 320 points. That pack is going to add new weapons, weapon mods, ammo types, and recipes. Not bad, man. They're really stretching out the shelf life of uh, of Fallout New Vegas. Fallout is Fallout. I mean, Fallout has always been a popular franchise, but ever since 3 came out, that shit has been gangbusted. And it's probably going to continue to be when they come out with the next one. Oh, hell yeah, but then... You know the the problem with those games is that they that they they come out and they're so I want to say they're so involved that by the time you get into uh, get into the the meat and potatoes of the game the new one will be coming out because there's so much shit involved you know and that's why these people just blaze through these games I mean you got Borderlands two coming out soon Red Dead Redemption still putting out new content that's right and it's like they're, you know, even though they're different types of stories, they, they all have that same almost World of Warcraft type sucking you in and, you know, never let go of it type thing. And now you got sure. that new game Rage coming out, which is probably going to do the same thing. Yeah, Rage, Rage shows really promising. Rage looks really promising, I should say. I, I really am looking at it, and I'm like, maybe, maybe I want to check this out. We'll, we'll see what's up with that. The, um, the last bit of gaming news is that Twisted Metal got delayed, and it'll now be out in 2012 on, February, on Valentine's Day, February 14th, David Jaffe mentioned on the, uh, it was mentioned on the PlayStation blog, and David Jaffe confirmed it. Are you, are you interested in the Twisted Metal franchise? Are you going to get back into that? Or? The only thing I can say to that, after what I saw on, at E3 is, 
Yeah, maybe now that they're delaying it, it won't look like a PlayStation 2 game. Wow. It's tough talk, man. I mean, it looked like fun, but was like, I'm looking at this game, it was like, this shit looks like Twisted Metal Black. Yeah, Twisted Metal Black was a, was a, was a fucking kick-ass game. I actually, I, I'm looking forward to Twisted Metal only because I really enjoyed Twisted Metal Black. So, graphically, I'm wearing to let it slide a little bit as long as the gameplay is just as fun. But I do got to look at it like what you were saying with regards to, hey, this is a next-gen console, so please don't let the game look like shit. Yeah, I mean, you got a 25 to 50 gig disc, and you have a game that still looks like it's on a CD. Sorry, <laughs> on a DVD, on a freaking 8 gig disc. I'm like, what? Clean that shit up. You're right. We'll see what happens, man. It's February 14th. Hopefully, you know, after earthquakes and hurricanes and typhoons and shit, we'll still be here to enjoy it. (laughs) Either clean that shit up or do what you did with Duke Nukem and make that shit 40 bucks. Because right now, it it doesn't look like something that's worth 60. You preach truth, my friend. Definitely not a $60 title. Not at this point, anyway, but we'll see what Jaffe does with it. David Jaffe is, you know, very good, very good at what he does. So I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that it'll come out clean, and I, I hope so because, I mean, while I wasn't a huge fan, it is what it is. Twisted Metal has a lot of, you know, backing and everything. So don't fuck it up, Jaffe. All right. Anything else to add, my friend? No, uh, not to not to the video games. I'm sure right. I'll be calling back for some more madness. Yeah, we got we got a couple of uh, what the fuck movie news in there. All right, brother. See you. Okay. Okay, man. Later. All right. Let's open up with some movie news. Let's try and cue up this soundboard again since it's acting a little funky. Let's open up the movies with The Rock. Ironically enough, it still ties to wrestling, but it is movie and TV related. And it is that The Rock is going to be working with uh, Jerry Bruckheimer with a, in terms of producing an 80s wrestling pilot. There's going to be a professional wrestling show set in the 80s uh, with The Rock produ- executive producing. Jerry Bruckheimer is going to be involved as well. And it's being written by Brent Fletcher, who did Friday Night Lights and Angel, and also uh, same as Kevin Fahey, who did Spartacus and Battlestar Galactica. Um, the NBC series is going to have a pilot, which is going to be called a put pilot, which means that contractually NBC will air at least a pilot, and based on, their, on the feedback, then they'll make it an ongoing series. I'm curious, especially with what they've done with shows like Mad Men, just shows that are throwback shows how they plan on doing that wrestling is very interesting only because it's such a such a secretive profession there's so many things that go on behind the scenes you know from blade jobs to the way storylines are laid out to the way shows are programmed 
that I'm curious to see how they plan on bringing that to the small screen. I think The Rock's involvement is, is, is huge only because he's really behind this project, and his involvement in the wrestling business can give a ton of insight into how the show can progress. And if they do it in the same style as Mad Men and they show, you know, the, the glitz and the glamour along with, you know, all the pain and, and struggle that goes along with it, I can see it being successful. So we'll be watching that closely and I'll keep an eye on Deadline Hollywood because they seem to always bring some of that great news with regards to wrestling stuff up to the main page. In some Resident Evil news, remember at the end of the last Resident Evil, you got to see Jill Valentine. Well, guess what they decided to do in the next one? Not include Jill Valentine. In this one, we're going to be welcoming Ada Wong. Wong appeared in Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 4 as a Chinese secret agent. She will be joined by Leon Kennedy and Barry Burton. Mila Jovovich, of course, will be in the, in the movie as usual, portraying Alice. The film will be opening September 14th, 2012. Paul Anderson is directing. In some box office news, The Help was number one with $20.5 million. Rise of the Planet of the Apes was number two. Spy Kids was number three. Conan was number four with $10 million. I'm actually looking forward to checking out Conan. I wanted to check it out last week, but unfortunately I wasn't able to. Hopefully I can check it out this weekend. The Smurfs was number five. Fright Night was number six. Final Destination was number seven. 30 Minutes or Less was number eight. One Day was number nine. And Crazy Stupid Love was number 10. Now, this next bit of news is kind of what the fuck movie news, but more what the fuck TV news. And it involves a guy who's super talented. I actually had the pleasure of seeing him do stand-up not too long ago. And he's a very underrated guy who is kicking ass on Community on NBC and also hosting The Soup, and that is Joe McHale. Now, Joe McHale, if you've watched The Soup, likes to make fun of the Kardashians a lot. And when I mean a lot, I mean like in the span of 30 minutes, he can insult the entire family. And it's great. It's great because he gets to acknowledge and call them out on their vapid, phony bullshit, which is always amusing. In a recent interview, though, Joe McHale revealed that he is no longer allowed to make fun of the Kardashians on the soup. He stated the following, I know the Kardashians don't like me. Reality stars, without exception, have come up to me and have said, thank you for making fun of me. We made so fun. He made, we made so much fun of the Bachelor, Jake Pavelka, that he responded by coming on the show. With the Kardashians, we're not allowed to say that they have a sex tape anymore because the network flips out. He says he doesn't mind because Dancing with the Stars is the show that he keeps on giving. He also went on to add that he loves hoarders and my strange addictions. I like all the weird shows. Now, let me do, let me put it out there like this. We watch TV to be entertained. The beauty of shows like The Soup, Posh.0, and any of these other clip shows is the spontaneity and, and just the chemistry between the host and all the smaller characters. Well, In Joe McHale's case, Mankini, and any of the other guys that come on The Soup, 
they, they they add a little a little breath of fresh air and clowning all of these celebrities and all these reality stars for their bullshit is amusing because if you sit there and you watch this shit and take it seriously if you're a guy you should get kicked in the nuts if you're a girl do yourself a favor take a drill plug it in put a bit in put it to the side of your head and press forward on it and then flip the switch and proceed to drill your own fucking skull because reality tv is mindless entertainment that needs to be made fun of. And not for nothing, in watching the Kardashians, I've seen a handful of episodes, it is one big snooze fest. It's usually all of them sitting in their living room, complaining about this, complaining about that, oh my God, I'm so famous, my feet hurt. And oh my God, I don't know what to do with all this money. Oh my God, they said I'm fat on, the page, on page six. And Bruce Jenner walks around with eternal surprise because he can't fucking blink. The fact that they actually censored Joe McHale from making fun of them and have actually told him not to do it is an embarrassment. E should be embarrassed because E is the entertainment network and the soup is entertainment. And if it's entertainment and it involves making fun of fucking reality TV, then so be it. You can't micromanage everything, but... Obviously, Joe McHale is slowly moving up in the world with his work on community and his work on feature films that hopefully, someday soon, he can tell E to go fuck themselves and show up someplace else where he doesn't have to be censored with regards to who or what he wants to make fun of. It's embarrassing and it's, and it's atrocious that they would even do that. E should be ashamed of themselves and the Kardashians really think way too highly of themselves that they can't be made fun of. Give me a fucking break. In some Expendables news, Hong Kong film star Donnie Yen has been offered a role in the, in the Expendables 2. Uh, the martial artist and fight choreographer recently met with producer Avi Lerner and was offered a tailor-made role in the film. Jet Li is reportedly not coming back for the sequel, and it is felt that Yen would add star power at the Asian box office with Lee's absence. A, spokeper a spokesperson from Yen's company confirmed that there was an offer and stated that Yen may be interested in the role, but will not decide until he sees a script. Number one, I'm very bummed out that Jet Li is not going to be in The Expendables 2, especially because he, was, he worked very well with those guys. There was a lot of chemistry there, especially with him and Jason Statham, given the fact that they've worked together previously. And honestly, I would have liked to have seen Donnie Yen playing a villain and seeing a great fight between Yen and Jet Li. I think that the fight choreography for that would have been fantastic. And with the departure of Lee, obviously Yen is going to fill the role, and I'm sure he's going to be doing a lot of his very, very well choreographed kung fu and Muay Thai in this movie. If you've seen uh, Flashpoint, which he did not too long ago and it's been on cable, you can see some of the really awesome fight choreography he does, implementing things like mixed martial arts, Muay Thai, kung fu, uh, a little bit of Krav Maga in there. I think Donnie Yen is a, is a versatile actor that would do very well in The Expendables. And uh, while I am sad to see Lee depart, I think Yen is a great fill-in. Now, I'm sure that Slick is going to love this, and you can classify this slightly under what-the-fuck movie news. For, for those of you that are comic fans, you've probably heard of the comic book series Danger Girl. It started with Wildstorm in the late 90s, and then IDW brought it back. It's about a, tr about a trio of uh, female secret agents. Um, it's, it's been rumored to be 
getting the big screen treatment for a long time, a long time. Well, now it seems that even though they don't have a screenwriter, a producer, or a director, they have their three female leads for the Danger Girl film. Get this, Mila Jovovich, Kate Beckinsale, and Sofia Vergara will be the three leads in the Danger Girl film. As of right now, it's, it's a project that is probably going to be picking up steam now that they have the three leading ladies involved. But honestly, I think all three ladies are a little old because the Danger Girls are very young, or decently young at least. Mila Jovovich, Kay Beckinsale, and Sofia Vergara are definitely over 30, or some closer to 40. And I don't know how that'll work. I mean, Mila Jovovich is really good in the physical roles. So is Kate Beckinsale. But I don't know how well Sofia Vergara can involve herself in a, in a physical role like this. I mean, sure, there are shades of Charlie's Angels in there, but the Danger Girl series has been, is usually known for its action. And I don't think that Sofia Vergara is an action actress. But I will reserve judgment until I hear more news about it. But Know this, Danger Girl has been cast with Mila Jovovich, Kate Beckinsale, and Sofia Vergara. So enjoy that bit of casting news. Paramount Pictures announced that even though they've made a ton of money with Transformers Dark of the Moon, they haven't made enough. Transformers Dark of the Moon will be re-released in 246 IMAX locations for two weeks, starting August, 25th, or August 26th through September 8th. Since it was released in the end of June, the film has grossed over $1 billion worldwide, and 59.6 of that has came from IMAX theaters. So if you haven't seen Dark of the Moon between August 26th and September 8th, you'll get an opportunity to enjoy it in IMAX. In some Marvel news, Disney has wielded its scythe and proceeded to cut through the Marvel network by terminating members of the Marvel marketing department. Three names have been terminated thus far. Dana Precious, who is the Executive Vice President of Worldwide Marketing, Jeffrey Stewart, who is the VP of Worldwide Marketing, and Jody Miller, who is the Manager of Worldwide Marketing. According to Deadline, the official line as to why they were let go is because Disney will be taking over the function of handling the releases for the Avengers and all future Marvel films themselves. The fact is that according to Deadline, Marvel will be bringing in someone as a project manager. But Kevin Feige will continue to supervise all things Marvel. So Marvel fanboys can rest easy knowing that certain things will not be messed up with Disney's involvement. In some news that makes me very happy, Universal has dropped their plans to do a film based on Clue and the Ouija board film are no longer going to happen. Thank God. The Ouija board film was going to be directed by McGee and produced by Michael Bay. The fact that those two guys are together in the same, or on the same project would have probably make, made the universe implode in explosions and special effects. But McGee wanted it to be a big-budget Jumanji-like family and fantasy film, but they decided that they were going to pass on at Universal, so Bay and McGee are now shopping the project to other studios. But... As, as happy as I am to hear that they killed the Clue movie and the Ouija board movie, Universal is still interested in making Candyland and Stretch Armstrong. So, yeah. Keep up the great work, guys. 
And to wrap up the movie news for this week, Dan Aykroyd recently gave us some news regarding Ghostbusters 3. When asked about the third film, he said, yes, we'll be doing the movie and hopefully with Mr. Murray. That is our hope. We have an excellent script. We have to remember, what we have to remember is that Ghostbusters is bigger than any one component. Although Billy was absolutely the lead and contributed to it in a massive way, so was director Harold Ramis, myself, and Sigourney Weaver. The concept is much bigger than any individual role, and the promise of Ghostbusters 3 is that we get to hand the equipment and the franchise down to new blood. When asked about character changes, he went on to say the following. My character, Ray, is now blind in one eye and can't drive the, the, the Ecto-1. He's got a bad knee and can't carry the proton packs. Egon is too big to get into the harness, so we need young blood, and that's the premise. We're going to hand everything down to a new generation. They proceeded to ask if he had any, any casting ideas or any actors that he'd like to see involved in the project. He said, I like this guy, Matthew Gray Goobler from Criminal Minds. But there's going, to be a, there's going to be some new casting. We're going to see everyone that wants to do it. We're going to need three guys and a young woman. So those are going to be your new Ghostbusters, folks. Three guys and a young lady. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Actually, it was a short week. Well, it was a short news week, so to speak. So we're going to close things out. But before I close things out, I did want to talk about something that I did leave out earlier in the show, and it was because I wanted to discuss it towards the end. And that is our announcement with regards to sponsorship and advertising. MTR does three hours of radio every week. We reach at minimum five to 10,000 fans a month between Libsyn, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio combined, and now Stitcher. As such, we are opening up advertising opportunities for people that want to advertise on MTR, either with... Uh, 30-second uh, commercial, commercials read by advertisers or 30-second commercials read by us. So we're opening that up. We're also open to advertising on the site with uh, banners and overlays. So we are going to be launching the advertising and sponsorship page probably by Sunday evening. So if you are interested in advertising or working in a sponsorship capacity with MTR, you can head over to mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, or you can just click on the guest inquiries tab and fill out the form there. But we will also be adding a form to the sponsorship page to fill out, and either one of those forms will make their way to us, and we can work on some pricing strategies. So if you're interested in doing that, drop me an email at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, and there'll probably be a secondary email as well. And we will work with you guys, whether for 30-second uh, spots or overall sponsorship opportunities. So I wanted to put that out there because a couple of people have emailed me with regards to advertising on the show. And don't worry, those of you that love hearing stuff from Born Stubborn, Kevin Beard, Don Anderson, WGS Radio, MMA Gospel, all those guys, their spots will be played, but we also want to get a couple of advertisers in there to work with the segments, uh, companies that want to sponsor the MMA segment exclu exclusively or the wrestling segment exclusively, and, you know, of course, movies and games, that kind of stuff. We just want to give you guys just uh, a breath of fresh air. Not only that, but we want to uh, generate some revenue for MTR to give you guys 
cooler shit and greater coverage of all the stuff you guys enjoy. So with that said, we are going to wrap things up with My Take Radio episode 104 for Thursday, August 25th, 2011. If you're interested in being a guest, have any questions, concerns, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow my personal Twitter account. It's uh, rich underscore mtr on Twitter. Or you can follow the show account, which is at mytakeradio. If you're on MySpace, just look up myspace.com slash mytakeradio on there, which for some reason I'm contemplating canceling that page. We'll see what happens. And, of course, look for us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash mytakeradio. And if you'd like to get our apps, you can go to the Android Marketplace, the Amazon Marketplace, to pick it up for your Android device. If you would like it for your iOS device, whether it's an iPad, iPhone, or iPod, it'll cost you $1.99, and you can pick that up in iTunes. The Android app is also $1.99. It's cheaper than a cup of Starbucks. Do yourselves a favor, pick it up. That way you can have MTR to go, and you can get access to tons of exclusive content, including MTR behind the mic, MTR beyond the mic, and hopefully some video content that you'll be seeing within the next few weeks as well. Lastly, make sure to look for My Take Radio on Stitcher. You can get the free Stitcher app at stitcher.com and stream My Take Radio to your Android, iOS, BlackBerry, or Palm device. And lastly, if you have certain GM or Ford vehicles, you can also stream Stitcher through there. And if you are using a Sonos personal audio system, that also has the Stitcher service, and you can listen to MTR there. That's going to wrap it up, folks. Thank you all for listening, and I will catch you guys next week. Take us out, Chappelle. All right. The outro music for this week will be Bare Knuckle Blitz by Will Rock, and that's on ocremix.org's Heroes and Villains official soundtrack. You can get that at ocremix.org, and you can download the entire Heroes and Villains soundtrack there, either via direct download or via torrent. Peace.